Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined as ever by Martin Lawrence, and we've got Julian Laurens back, despite his villa bashing last time he was on. <laughs> we've, we've, we've had him on, and I've got my PSG hoodie on as well to make you feel more at home, Julian. Thank you very much. I should remind you that since my debut on this pod, Villa are unbeaten, my friends. So yeah. I think you should book me in for the whole of next season and you will win the league and be the new Invincible. Yeah, three unbeaten. I don't envisage <laughs> that carrying on on Tuesday, if I'm being perfectly honest. But yeah, three unbeaten <laughs> compared to what somewhere. it was up before. Yeah, exactly. You do have to start If it somewhere. does carry on this this week, then maybe there's something in it. Maybe we'll, Come on, we'll come on, yeah. Steve. The, the true test will be Tuesday, of course. That's one of the games we're going to look at. There's a few midweek fixtures going on, some tasty fixtures all to play for in the Premier League at the moment. So we'll be looking at a few of those games. But Martin, we're going to start with the team of the week. Let us in on your knowledge. Uh, yeah, this is this is the moment where Jonathan would be saying that uh, goals are overrated uh, because nine of the ten outfielders all scored <laughs> at the weekend. Um we start in goal, though, and uh, Robert Sanchez is the goalkeeper. Obviously, Brighton absolutely tore Man United to shreds at the weekend, but Sanchez did have to make a few few good stops, uh, and it's been been really good all season, I think. He's still a young goalkeeper as well, so they've got that position nailed down for a, for a good few years. Uh, at the back, we have uh, the Brentford pairing of Christopher Ayer and Pontus Janssen, who both scored. Ayer's goal was incredible. Ch- channeled his inner Messi for that little slaloming run. Uh, for his first goal for the club. Uh, we've got Imeric Laporte uh, alongside Janssen and Mark Kukurea, who also scored his first goal for his new club. And obviously that meant a lot to him. That was that was nice to see, almost in tears, scoring against Manchester United. Big story for him. Uh, in midfield, we have Raheem Sterling on the right, uh, who played there against Newcastle, who obviously scored twice. Kevin De Bruyne, who's the, the one outfielder in this side who didn't score, did get an assist and was generally outstanding and has been for months now. Uh, joining him in midfield is Moises Caicedo of Brighton, who's uh, coming to the side in the last sort of, six weeks or so, and he's had a real impact. I think it's came came a bit longer than a lot of people were expecting. He he was well sought after uh, in the summer, and Brighton that was seen as a big coup for them because uh, he was really highly rated in South America. A twenty-year-old, he scored his first goal for the club as well, and has been great. And I think he's a player who could open the door for Eve Basuma to to make a move this summer, especially with Enoch and Wepu playing well as well. There, there's a chance to cash in there, and I think that may well happen. On the left, it's Leandro Trossard who got a goal that was his, uh, scored in four of his last five games now, and he got two assists in that game as well. So he's actually up to fourth in our form rankings. Uh, De Bruyne is number one. Uh, and then up front, the front two is Eddie Nketiah and Romelu Lukaku, who both got a brace. Obviously, Lukaku's first appearance in a team of the week for a very, very long time. Nice team. You say about the defenders, though, you know, if, if you score and keep a clean sheet. Exactly. They all I, I, would, yeah. I would say that leads to, leads to a good rating. It's, it's yeah. a no-brainer. That's Julian, fair. you got any thoughts on that team? Anyone you think that should be in there that isn't? No, I like it a lot. Uh, to be fair, I'd... I'd... I prepared one because uh, because I got confused and I thought I had to do combine very, eleven and team of the week and team of very the season, easy all to of get that. confused with Martin's lack of instructions it for is, a podcast. Yeah, I will say, yeah, as much as we really stopped, uh, not not so much today, but yeah. So no, I'm 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 very happy with that team, Martin. Well no, no, maybe Brendan Martin, goal and assist doesn't matter. Yeah, no, he, he just missed out to. He would have been in uh, one of the midfield positions, um, but yeah, just missed out to Caicedo and De Bruyne. But yeah, it was it was obviously really good to see him come back in and and have the impact that he did. Um, yeah, been waiting a long time for it. Yeah, well, let's talk about Aston Villa against Liverpool then. Of course, the Oyvid Leonards and Derby played for both of those teams, That's I nice. believe. We'll start with Villa, Julian. As an outsider, obviously me and Martin are not outsiders at all. How would you assess Gerard's start at Villa? Because I actually looked at it or listened to something before I came on. And if the league started when Gerard came in. Villa would be a point off eight. I yeah. think because Villa have lost so many games, because they don't draw Villa, because they've either lost or won, sometimes it feels a bit worse than it has been. But a point off eight, I would say, probably couldn't have asked for much better than that, really. No, you're right. I mean, started well, really well, considering especially he arrived after such a such a bad run of results. I think maybe what hurt him is those four defeats in a row when they're against Arsenal, Wolves, Spurs. I mean, some of them were tough games. Some, they didn't play well. Some they played well, like against Spurs, especially the first half, and still ended up losing defensively. There were there were a few mistakes made. 
And I just think he's still a very young manager. Let's not forget, as good as he did in Rangers, at Rangers, he's still a good, he's, he's still a young manager. And I think with that, with all young managers like that, especially arriving in the Premier League, and we saw the same with Arteta, there will always be a time where they they, they struggle and they they need to find answers, different different question marks, different problems, and sometimes it just takes a time. I I think he will be stronger next season for what happened this season. Um, I think with Patrick Vieira, we saw similar things again at Palace too, although he's got a bit more experience than, than Gerard. So for me, it went according to plan. I expecting the team to do much better after he arrived, which they did. And then I knew at some point there would be a, a, a dip because, because all of that is so new, because he still has so much to learn, really. Let's be honest. I think he made mistakes, both in the team selection, substitutions, that kind of stuff. And, and also some players have... I've, I've struggled for form at times. We just mentioned Buendia. I think, you know, typically the kind of player that you you would have thought could have had a, a more impact maybe earlier with Gerard. So I think all of that would be very interesting and I really believe he would be he would be a better manager after what happened in the last six to eight weeks. Frankly. I tweeted last week, Martin. Rangers obviously getting to the Europa League final and I was savagely attacked by Birmingham City fans saying I was trying to make it all about Villa, which wasn't what I was trying to do at all. But he's built a team at Rangers that got has got all the way to the Europa League final. I'm not saying that, you know, it's all down to him, but he put a side together that was good enough to dispatch some of great European teams. So I would say Villa have a summer, one point off eight since Gerard came in. I'd actually say there's a lot of positives to look into in Gerard's tenure so far. Yeah, it's been hard to sort of gauge it because there has been so much sort of inconsistency, which, like Julian says, you'd expect for a new manager with a, with a new group of players. But the, the stats certainly are all trending in the right direction that that one point off eighth as well is that's that's wolves in eighth uh and villa have played a game less in that time as well so if they win that extra game then they they would go into that eighth spot they've also got a point more than west ham in that time having played two games fewer hmm. so the signs are good and the, and the stats are really promising as well the points per game are up to 1.4 under gerard they were only 0.9 under smith at the start of the season obviously a terrible start to the season goals have obviously improved uh shots are up slightly but those sort of stats they're relatively marginal pass accuracy is up a fair bit possessions actually down but the, the big impact has been on the defensive side of it and the defensive organization we're conceding 1.82 goals per game at the start of the season that's down to 1.17 and conceding 14.6 shots per game which is down to 10.9 which is really really low so only only um Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea have conceded fewer shots per game than that over the course of the whole season. So to be conceding fewer than 11 shots per game uh, from the from the position that he took over when defensively Villa were pretty much all at sea uh, is, is really encouraging. The one sort of maybe negative, I would say, maybe does revolve around Buendia and the Coutinho signing has obviously impacted that. I actually thought Buendia was playing quite well when when Coutinho was signed, certainly in the in the run up to it, and didn't play badly when he when he joined, but obviously fell out of favour. And I think he he did have a relatively slow start, but he still always looked like one of Villa's brighter players. And it, I, I do feel like he's a player that the club do need to start to concentrate on now. And whether that impacts whether they sign Coutinho permanently, I imagine it may well do. I don't think maybe that's not as rubber stamped as it might have been. Uh, so there's definitely a decision to make there because Emi Buendia is, is a fantastic player uh, and a lot younger than Philippe Coutinho, obviously. So I personally would hope that he is he is the focus. Uh, as, as mad as that sounds to me, as a Villa fan who's now saying, maybe we shouldn't sign Philippe Coutinho, I, I would hope that we uh, begin to put a little bit more faith in Buendia. Bit of a problem now, because I actually think Coutinho was probably rested on Saturday with the Liverpool game on Tuesday in mind. But you've got Watkins and Ings firing. When Dea's come in and got a goal and assist, you can't get all four of them in the same team. It's just not going to happen. With Buendia, he's, he's a, and Gerard said it many times, he's like a little warrior, isn't it? And yeah. against Burnley, you probably want a little bit of fight. And Coutinho, that's maybe not hmm. not his game. Definitely yeah, he's not, not his game. Not had a great few games, Coutinho. Not had a great no. month or so in a Villa shirt. I could talk about Villa all day, but we better talk about <laughs> Liverpool, Julian. Dropped points at the weekend against Tottenham. Fascinating game at Anfield. On the, on the face of it, you know, it's not a bad result drawing against Spurs. I thought Spurs did very, very well. But the way this total, right, total race is, sorry, the game's running out. 
there's no margin for error at all. And it feels like it was a big weekend for Liverpool and Man City, really. There was a lot of fans, obviously, who would have been optimistic, I guess. Um, but you, you could sense the pressure. You could sense that everybody was thinking, OK, this, is, this could be the game, where, which is a no-brainer. It's Spurs. Uh, even when you're home against Spurs, you know it's going to be tricky and difficult because they're going to defend well even more, I guess, against, against Liverpool because of the way Liverpool play. But you could feel that anxiety. It was so obvious. The atmosphere was amazing because I think mm. the fans were like, we have, we have to be at our best because they need us and we have to push because this is going to be tricky. And it turned out to be tricky. And it turned out to be not enough from Liverpool who looked tired, to be fair. And maybe club could have done more changes compared to the team I played in, in Villarreal in midweek. It was always going to be hard because they, they Spurs defended in, in the 5-4-1 formation. They defended so well. They didn't allow merge. There was a lot of crosses that went for nothing. I mean, Trent tried and tried and tried to cross the ball. There was not, uh, there was not enough. It just needed a bit of a spark, I think, from Liverpool. And no one could really provide it. I mean, we can talk again about Salah. We did before. It's clearly something not right there. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, we don't know yet because it might not be... It might not be a turning point if they still manage somehow to go and win this title. But if they come short, a point, two points, maybe three, then we will look back and say, yeah, that was the game where, where things turned. And you can always agree with Klopp or not on the West Spurs plate. I think that with the players that Conte has, this could be a bit more expensive football. But it worked because Spurs players were actually disappointed not to have won the game. Mm. Uh, so I think everybody in the end was disappointed. The draw, not good for, for either side, really. I understand what Klopp was trying to say after the game, Martin, but I, I would say Tottenham actually did that thing where they made Liverpool look quite one-dimensional and not many teams are ever able to do that, just swinging the cross after cross into the box. Spurs succeeded, had a good game plan and quite easily could have won that game. So it's not a great weekend for Liverpool at all. No, yeah, and I think, I think Spurs, maybe they didn't all result in shots, but they probably had the better opportunities to go... Yeah. And, and possibly win that game. I saw a tweet from Dan Kilpatrick uh, about Klopp's comments about how, how Tottenham played, and he, he made a very good point that, that that way of playing took six points off Man City this season, so mm. Klopp shouldn't be complaining about it too much because that's kept them in the title race in that sense as well. Um, so yeah, I, th- I feel like that is the best the, the way that Tottenham are, are best set up to, to go and counter. They've got three good sort of defenders in that they just throw their body on the line. Romero, obviously, case in point, who was very good again. But they are that good on the counter. And we saw that, for example, against Villa, who who did sort of pretty much batter them for the first half. And then just they just got picked off. They just they sat relatively deep and they just played it into Kane, flicks onto Son, and that's <laughs> it works. Like unless you're gonna properly man mark essentially all of Tottenham's front three, which you're not going to do. Then, then that is a, always going to be a, a sort of valid way of approaching a game. And if anything, I thought Tottenham were probably more expansive than I than I thought they might be. I thought it might be proper. It was to a sense, but it might be proper back to back to the wall stuff. Stay in the game and then try and nick something towards the end. I thought Tottenham had decent chances, and his way of playing was was justified in that sense. Yeah, Liverpool squad depth now, I think, undoubtedly is above and beyond Manchester City. So we've got a combined 11, haven't we, Martin, of, of Liverpool and City's second string. It's kind of felt like this this point isn't as, as valid now because obviously City are out of the Champions League. There's not many games left. But mm. I really feel like it's a missed opportunity for Liverpool. Like you said, they could have freshened things up a little bit when you look at their depth. Yeah. And I think, I think going, obviously, they've got an FA Cup final at the weekend. So this is a game now where where they've dropped behind do they now see it as they're not going to surrender in the title race after after that game but FA Cup at the weekend surely they've got to rotate a bit and like you say I think they are better equipped than City to do that now uh, yeah like uh, we, we we have compiled a, a sort of combined 11 of the two second strings as it were uh, and it's and it is tight but it's a pretty good team <laughs> might make top four to be fair um, it's Kelleher in goal ahead of Stefan who's not the best. I think City probably need an upgrade there, even though it is just a sub-keeper. You can't really rely on Richard Wright for too many more years. Uh, the issue with both is neither of them really have a sub-right-back. Um, we put John Stones there, just because the alternative was probably James Gomez. Gomez. I think Gomez, Gomez has been excellent well, when he's yeah. played right back. 
What's that? I think Gomez has been excellent when he's played right yeah, back. I think Stones has been really good when he's played right back okay, as well. He's done, it, he's done it a handful of times. So we've got Stones just because um, I'll come on to it. But Gomez's rating is actually lower than Nathan Ake. So the centre back pairing is Ake and Canate. Um, so Gomez wouldn't have made like it would have been Stones and then. You'd have, you'd have left out Ake, but he's got a better rating. I think Ake's been really good when he's played. He's had a good season. I think he's been. I think he's been really strong. Uh, the left back is Simakas, who's uh, I do think he's one of the best sort of sub left backs that you'll find, and has come on in the last couple of games. I think Robertson. There's definitely pressure there on that position now, where there wasn't for years, frankly. Mm. Uh, our midfield three is Gunnarn, uh, Naby Keita, and Curtis Jones, and I think that highlights the sort of lack of depth certainly in Man City's midfield where Fernandinho will be will be leaving in the summer I think that's that's a position that they will need to possibly strengthen or add depth to at least and then our front three is Gabriel Jesus on the right Grealish on the left and Diogo Jota we've got Jota up front it was a toss-up between Jota and Diaz as who's the second string now we decided yeah. that Jota um and that, and that leads up Firmino so. I know. <laughs> Decent, decent side. So there's six Liverpool players and five City. But I think the the key difference with City, you can't really fill an 11. Like I said, the right back, they've only really got a youngster there. Right winger, they've only really got a youngster. Striker, uh, Cole Palmer. So in midfield, we had McAtee in their strong, in their sort of second string 11. So yeah, they, they whereas Liverpool, you can pretty much put together a second 11 of, of decent squad. City are, are lacking. Harvey Elliott. Not mentioned. Yeah, either. Harvey Elliott, an exceptional player. Well. Obviously, had the injuries. Chamberlain as well, Minamino, Origi. So Liverpool are pretty stacked. Yeah. Well stocked, Liverpool. Let's <laughs> yeah. say, Julian, do you think that eleven would get top four? <laughs> um, I think he would miss out on top four. I would have Zinchenko a left back ahead of Timikas. Although I agree with Martin on on the progress of Timikas. Not. Too convinced, and you know, and on Saturday, uh, I expected more from him when he came on, considering he had 35 minutes overall in the game. But, um, but yeah, I think Zinchenko, maybe with with the experience as well, playing in Euros and stuff like that, maybe. But I think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good one. I agree with Martin on City having to look for another midfielder, maybe a different profile. I like the links with with Pogba, which have been there before. They've discussed him before, Mino, when Mino was. We're still alive 18 months ago. I think he offers a profile that they don't have, and that could certainly add to the rotation whether you start him all the time or not. But I think in midfield, I, I understand the Haaland, you go and get Haaland for sure. I think they would go and get a fullback that can probably play either side, which they need to. But you, you know, you can, you know, there's, there's a few options out there anyway. But then I think in midfield, they need, they need someone too. I can really agree. Yeah, not really sure Liverpool actually need to do much business in the summer. It'll be interesting to see what they do do, but obviously we don't know who's going to win the title at the moment, so that might have an impact. Let's have score predictions for Villa against Liverpool then. Julian, I'll come to you first. Because I love you too dearly, and, and more importantly, I want to come back on this show. Uh, I've said 1-1 one, one between... Have you? 1-1. Wow. One, one. Martin? Uh, we got 3-1 to Liverpool. 3-1 to Liverpool, and I will go Villa 1, Liverpool 2. Villa might go. I feel, feel like Villa might go ahead in this game. There's been a few games. There was a game a couple of seasons ago where Villa went one 0 up and they conceded two very, very they late and lost two one. I've got got a feeling it might be like that. Unfortunately, I mean, I'd like it to be like the seven two of last season. <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest, that would be that would be very, very nice to see. That won't happen again. No, that will never happen again. <laughs> And unfortunately, fans weren't there to see it as well, so I, I will never like, see like anything part. like that. Yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> Let's look now at Man City a bit more. Wolves against Manchester City, of course. Let's start with Wolves. It's like an important summer for Wolves, Julian, because Jimenez has had a little bit of a drop-off. Matinho is one of their best players. He's coming towards the end of his career. And Ruben Nevers will have potential suitors. There's also a few links around, around the manager leaving at the moment. It could be a funny old summer for Wolves. We can say that they're kind of used to it, but... Or at least because of the way the club is built and the, more importantly the way the club is run, I think I think they 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 expect that. I think they often prepare prepare for it. Uh, if you look at you know when NATO arrived, for example, or even the Trincao signing or potential staying for if NATO goes, I think they always which is right to do that way. An idea in mind in case someone goes, who they can. Bring in, I think, Uncle George on that level. If you can have George Mendes as your sporting director, because 
let's be honest, this is what it is. It helps, it helps a lot. He's usually doing favors to your club. So I'm not too worried. I think it's going to be busy and there's a lot of things going to happen. But I would trust them to be prepared and to know exactly what to do. And again, having Uncle George there would help for that. I think Ruben Neves, considering he arrived in the championship as a very, one of the best young players in Europe at the time from Porto, where he was the captain uh, since he was 17 in the Champions League, I think he's due now to go to a bigger club and actually challenge for things other than finishing seventh. So I hope for him he goes. Good luck to replace him. But again, I think especially in the Portuguese league, we've seen a lot of young players in midfield who can come in you know, and, and do a really good job too. So I think it'd be, it'd be very interesting. And for Bruno Lage, he's done incredibly well, better than I thought he would be for a first season. Martin, we've talked a little bit about Holland Because of the way the Grealish signing has gone, is there a little bit more pressure on City now to make sure when they make this next big signing, it's right? Or have they just got so much money that nobody cares? Uh, no, I think there is more pressure on it. Uh, just after that signing, I think the key difference is that obviously, while I thought Grealish would would maybe not hit hit the ground running, but certainly have a have a stronger season than he has, uh, there was certainly the case that he wasn't really needed in the true sense. Um, whereas obviously someone like Kane last summer people said he was needed because they didn't have a striker and so Haaland is the sort of replacement for that for that rumour and it does look like it's going to happen. Uh, I would say that he, like Grealish, he's not really a natural sort of Man City player. I think the issue with Grealish is obviously he's always been used to being the, the focal point, so to speak, or the centre of attention and having the freedom to do whatever he wants on the pitch and that's where you see the best Jack Grealish. We will never see the best Jack Grealish at Man City in my opinion. Um, but Haaland, he is very much a box box driver, a box finisher at least. Obviously, he has a huge amount of power, um, but doesn't really link play like a Man City forward might. Um, but I think we saw in Guardiola's press conference post Real Madrid that he was bemoaning just the fact that they just can't take chances. And, and even at the end of that game, when you looked at the players that they had on the pitch when they went into extra time, I did think they don't have a goal scorer on the pitch. This is like, it's a it's a big issue. Raheem, when Raheem Sterling's your best goal scorer and he's, even himself isn't a natural finisher, that is a problem. And while they've scored plenty of goals, the top scorer in a in a Prep Guardiola season at Man City in the league at least is twenty one goals, which is relatively modest when you consider how many goals Man City score. So if Haaland does arrive, they'll be expecting. An improvement on that. That was Aguero who did that twice. Um, but you you would expect more. He he will get Hatfields of chances, obviously, if he if he starts most games, there will be rotation. But I do think it is it is exciting. You've got the 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 potential of De Bruyne serving Haaland is is pretty exciting. And and like I said, that that difference in just the sort of cutting edge in the final third is the difference between them and Liverpool at the moment and where they look like they're gonna win the league. Liverpool have had a stronger season, you would say, overall, overall competitions. And their their clear-cut conversion rate, Liverpool, is 54.8%, which is almost 10% better than Man City's. So Liverpool's by far the best in the league. Man City are fifth. They're not, they're not low down, but a 10% gap does suggest that they are lacking that sort of clinical finisher, and and that is Erling Haaland. I get, I get what you're saying about him not being a typical Manchester City player because you, you're right he doesn't drop deep he doesn't need the play but Manchester City Julian they score a lot of goals from low crosses people popping up yeah. in the penalty area you'd imagine with his movement and the way he finishes that can't fail to work also you know the way Pep plays football he worked well with Lewandowski I'm not saying they're exactly the same type of player but you know Lewandowski obviously did well in, in a Pep system at Bayern so there's a couple of positive points there oh definitely I agree with you but I agree with you both in the sense that the pros they're there and, and Dan, you mentioned them well. I think Riyad Mahrez, they will need to sort out his contract if they want him to stay. But you, for what for what Martin said about De Bruyne and the De Bruyne-Holland relationship or connection, there could be a great Mahrez-Holland connection as well. Uh, and I think they will create chances for him. I agree with Martin's point of view. is He's also so good at running and the power and running behind or having those kind of attacking transition chances created for him. He's so intelligent in the way he runs and how he makes his runs. The problem is, I don't know how often he will be able to score those goals in the Premier League. If, if you also look at a lot of the goals that he scored in the Bundesliga, 
since he joined Dortmund. There's a lot of those goals that won't happen with the City shirt because of the way the opposition faced against them. And then we go back to the, the way Spurs defended against, against Liverpool, which they would do again next season if Conte stays against City, for example. Then they, there's no space for Haaland there. So he will also need to, to find a way of adapting and diversifying in a way his, himself. But I love the story, the whole Haaland City, Alfie Haaland story, mm. the fact that he was clearly a fan. I mean, I saw this photo on social media in the 2014 League Cup final when he, they travelled to Wembley to support City in the city end. So I just, I just love that. And it's obviously amazing for the Premier League that the second you know, be- best young players behind Kylian Mbappe, of course, is coming to the Premier League. is incredible. So it would, be, it would be fascinating to follow. But I'm a bit like, you know, yeah, it would be great. But yeah, there's still a lot of things that we, we, we have to wait and see how, it, how well it does with them. We touched on Grealish and how it hasn't quite worked out, Martin, although I, I still think long-term he's too good a footballer for it not to work out. Okay. We've put a section in here for worst signing of the season. <laughs> I, I presume that's off the back of Grealish. I don't know. You can't give that to one of yours. Surely oh, one I'm of not giving it. That's, of no, uh, we, that's nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with we, me. That's we haven't Martin. given it to Grealish. No, I just, okay. I just looked into... We're, we're, we're winding down the season, trying to throw in some awards. Obviously, this isn't one you want, but... Um, but but yeah, we looked at like the biggest drop off in rating from who scored from last season to this season, uh, and it isn't Grealish, but he is in the top ten. Uh, he's seventh. Uh, there are five Man United players, oh, God. <laughs> which you might expect. I'll start at the bottom. So Bruno Fernandez is ten. Obviously not a signing, but we'll come on to the top of the list in a bit. Bruno Fernandez is ten. Harry Maguire nine. Luke Shaw eight. Jack Grealish, seven. Harry Kane, still six, even despite his second half of the season. That's obviously based on just how good he was last season. Obviously, ended top scorer and top assister. Then you've got two Leeds defenders. <laughs> Probably isn't a surprise in Pascal Strike and Luke Ayling. But the top three are all new signings. Uh, Jonathan will be pleased that one of them is Cristiano Ronaldo, believe it or not. Uh, a big drop-off from, from his last season at Juventus. And I do think he's played in sort of Fits and starts really been been excellent in in a handful of games, but relatively anonymous and let's just say problematic in general for Manchester United. Uh, and then the top two is Lukaku in second, and the top is actually Jaden Sancho, mm. who I think not that he's had an easy ride because he definitely hasn't, but he's maybe got a bit more slack than someone like Grealish has because he's because he's younger and maybe that's fair uh, and he and he. And he hasn't played in the Premier League before. so And he's playing an absolute garbage And he's side. playing in a shambles yeah. of the team. But at the same time, that's Manchester United's problem. And um, his signing hasn't worked to now. Uh, and they, de- they, they need to build something, not necessarily around him, but certainly something that gets him functioning. Because even in the games where he's played pretty well, he's not been half the player that we've seen at Dortmund. And obviously, that's a, it's a different league, but he's been levels below what, what people would have expected. His, his ratings actually dropped 0.88 from last season. So 7.54 last season. His ratings to 6.66, which is quite ominous <laughs> for the Red Devils. But um, but yeah, he, he's actually top of our sort of biggest decrease and therefore our worst signing of the season. I had Sancho on my list as well uh, and Lukaku but I don't think anyone can beat Dele Alli surely. It counts as a signing because it's a January signing but the guy is not a footballer anymore. I mean he hasn't been for a while so the drop in ratings of course is, is, is a bit different but my word what happened to him is crazy. Any any Everton January signing you could have really. Like, yeah, true. And where <laughs> justice for Anwar Ogazi with his 11 minutes of playing time at Everton. That's what, crazy man. Oh. Crazy. Say what you like about Deli Alla. Unbelievable mascot for Everton though. Instagram person, great mascot, one of the best mascots they've ever had. I don't know, I don't know who their mascot is actually. Everton, I can't think who it is at an all. Expensive yeah. mascot, but you know, yeah, it's been, been a good mascot so far in the second half of the season. Let's get our score predictions then for this one, Martin. I'll come to you first. Wolves v Man City. We've gone for a tight one, uh, just one nil to Man City. Yeah, that's what I was going to do as well. One nil to Manchester City. Julian, full house. Yeah, I've got 2-0 to Man City. 2-0 to Man City for you. Let's do the just a minute section now then, Julian. We'll come to you first. Your minute is Leeds versus Chelsea. Yeah, Leeds in big trouble, obviously, with JC Marsh. Now they've won only one in the last four. They're in the bottom three. They're 18th. 
Uh, they've got loads of injuries. Uh, Patrick Bamford, of course, uh, Forshaw. There's that of a Cooper, Roberts, Stuart Dallas, of course. Luke Ayling now is suspended and won't play again because he got a three-match ban after the, the tackle on Martinelli in the defeat against Arsenal. So it looks pretty pretty grim for Leeds and even Rafinha, the best player, has only scored two in the last 14 or 15, I think. So very, very difficult situation. Not that Chelsea are much better. One win in five only for them, clearly. A lot of issues on the pitch, off the pitch as well. Thomas Tuchel clearly not being himself. So it's, it's who's going to be the, the least worst, basically. I still think that Leeds Island Road needs to build this as, as a final, but the fans have to mm. be there. They have to make it so difficult for Chelsea. And I will go for a narrow Leeds win, 1-0. 1-0 to Leeds, interesting. I was going to go 3-0 to Chelsea. Martin? Ooh. <laughs> uh, we've gone 2-1 to Chelsea. But um, it's, I agree with Julian. I could, I could see Leeds winning it, if they get, like he says, if they get the crowd the up, which they undoubtedly will. That won't be in question. Uh, there's plenty, plenty else that is questionable when it comes to Leeds, but but the support isn't one of them. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be a really interesting game. Just because um, Chelsea, Chelsea will be looking over their shoulder a little bit uh, if they lose this game and Tottenham yeah. to beat Arsenal. Uh, there'll be two points between Tottenham in fifth and Chelsea in third with two games to go. So, top four doesn't look cemented now which yeah. seems crazy like yeah, they've been stuttering a long time that. Chelsea yeah you could not time. imagine that a couple of couple of months ago no. and there's a really good chance for Arsenal to come third as well really yeah. good chance yeah Leeds Chelsea a bit of a grudge match isn't it they hate each other for some reason I feel uh, like yeah, historically like, in the Premier League they used to boot kick lumps out of each other yeah these yeah, are yeah, two yeah, of the yeah, sort of dirtiest teams, teams in, historically yeah, uh, yeah. Incidentally, I would say Leeds are quite lucky to have Rafinha available for this game because I don't know what his problem was with the referee no. after Ayling got sent off, but he was very, very lucky not to get two yellow cards there, I thought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, lucky to have him available for that game. Martin, you've given yourself the tough task of Leicester being Norwich for your minute. Leicester appear to have clocked off for the season, really, after a defeat against Everton. They're now at real risk of finishing in the bottom half. I mean, failed to qualify from their Europa League group. They got knocked out in the fourth round of the FA Cup. It's a, it's a really disappointing season for the Foxes. They're without James Justin, Ricardo Pereira and Wilfred Ndidi. And they've now only won four of the 16 matches that Ndidi's missed this season. So he's been a massive loss. They've lost seven of those games. Norwich are also looking ahead to next season already, having once again fallen well short of the standards required to survive. Unlike last time, they don't really have any saleable assets either. So at least Dean Smith will know what he's working with next season. The Canaries' one fight remaining is that they can still beat their points tally from two years ago. They're tied on 21 at the moment. So they just need one point to beat their points tally from two years ago. Very small solace taken in that. Uh, Leicester have struggled in this fixture actually in recent seasons with four wins to Norwich's three. None of the last eight have been separated by more than a single goal. Uh, we think that'll change here, though. We, we've gone for goals at both ends, but 3-1 Leicester. I'm going to go 2-0 to Norwich, one of those crazy end-of-season games. Why not? <laughs> I've no idea what the predictions league table is looking like at the moment, but I assume I'm still quite far ahead. Well, I'll just, yeah, I'll go 2-0 to Norwich for a laugh. Julian, what about you? 2-0 uh, Leicester. 2-0 to Leicester, very good. Julian, your last game is Watford against Everton. Yeah, that's right. Watford, obviously, officially relegated now. We, we knew they were going to go down, but it's, it's official after the defeat of the weekend. I mean, they've lost the last 11 home games. They lost six in a row in the Premier League, home and away, but 11 at home. They really, really struggle. They can't, they can't score goals, really. They concede a lot. They've got injuries. They've got suspension now with Camara, the left-back, uh, suspended. So Massina is going to come back. Uh, left back and then on the other hand for Everton the dynamic has changed obviously Massivina they've taken 10 points in the last five games uh, it was the first away win against Leicester that we described earlier uh, since August so that momentum is, is clearly there and who knows we might even see a bit of Dele Alli he, if he still exists if he's still you know if he's still a footballer uh, in this oh, game he'll so... be in the mascot suit before the game for sure yeah true you're right you're right uh, as a mascot, we see him maybe as a player too, if he has his boots. So I go for an Everton win 2 1. 2 1 to Everton. I will go for 2 0 to Everton, second consecutive away win. Martin? Uh, we got 3 1 uh, to Everton. 3 1 um, to Everton. Yeah, because we, we haven't got a bet builder built up in time for, these, uh, for this week, uh, we've actually done a treble on those three games. Uh, I thought it would appeal, and it might still appeal because the price is massive. 
but some rogue predictions in that section. I was not expecting any of that. So, <laughs> uh, so it, it's tied into the who scored predictions, which we'll, I'll, I'll just go over again just to move it. So we went for 2-1 to Chelsea against Leeds, 3-1 for Leicester against Norwich and 3-1 for Everton against Watford. So basically what we've done is a win and both teams to score treble. So Chelsea, Leicester and Everton all to win with both teams to score in those games. And it's, it's massive. They've boosted it for us from 35 to 1 to 50 to 1. Just on three, the three favourites winning and both teams to score in the games. A 50 mm. to 1 bet on that treble looks wow. pretty tasty to me. Yeah, I would say that's worth a punt, definitely. Let's take a fiver on that. For yeah. a laugh. Even though you've yeah, gone again. for completely different predictions. <laughs> well, either way, I'll be happy. I don't know what that was, but either, either, <laughs> either, either way, I'll be happy. Let, let's look now at Tottenham against Arsenal. This this is tasty. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to watch it because I'm out on Thursday night, which I'm really quite frustrated about because this is going to be one of the games of the season, I think. Julian, where will this game be won and lost? What are the key battles in this North London derby? If you're Spurs and if you're Conte... How do you approach it? So I saw Lloris after the, the Liverpool game and he said, you know, this is a final, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but he said, like, we... You love a chat we, with the goalkeeper, Julian. After our last podcast, I saw you chatting to Fabianski. You love a little chat with the goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, I don't pick the... Play- I mean, sometimes okay. I, I'm hoping for the French to come because we, we obviously, obviously cover the games for French television, so he helps yeah. for us. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, men, we have a few, Melier, Mendy, Lloris, a few French speakers, Fabianski, no, but... So I, 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 I love, you know, I love... I love any player, any mascot, any, anything that's good. <laughs> but Lloris was saying, which was interesting, he said how hard they work all week to prepare for that Liverpool game. And the game plan was exactly what we saw. So it's, I think it's always satisfying when you execute it the way it was, was meant to be, in a way. But he said, this is, this is a, a game we cannot afford not to. We, we have to go and win it. And I guess when he said that, I read it as, we're not going to wait and be a bit cautious at the beginning, not to concede first. He like we have to go and, and win it. Because I do think that this Spurs team can play better, more with the ball than what we've seen against Liverpool, for example. So with the fans, and it's the first time uh, since before the you know since the stadium was built, even, that we'll have a North London derby at Spurs. Oh, we with the whole stadium. Yeah, we've had oh. the, um, the limited limited people in it, but not, not the full stadium. So you expect, again, the atmosphere will be amazing. They have to go for it. I think they will attack. I think... Arsenal, Arsenal will be waiting for that and ready for it too. So I think it's going to be a very open attacking game. I really hope so, for sure. And and I think it's quite hard to predict because Arsenal haven't been great, even if they won against West Ham, against Leeds, against United. They didn't play great, but won. They have those match-winner players right now. Uh, but defensively, they looked a bit shaky at times. And Spurs were shaky against Brighton, were shaky against Brentford. But then that Liverpool game, I think we, we bring a lot of momentum and confidence to those players. So it'd be, it'd be fascinating. Might there be a case for Arsenal trying to dig in and, and play for a point, being compact a little bit like they were at Stamford Bridge? I know obviously they won that game, but they, they, they were a bit more compact in that game. There's probably a case for doing that again, isn't it? Because a draw is a great result yeah, for Arsenal. I yeah, I think so. And definitely, I'd, I'd go back to what Julian said the last time he was on and the sort of levels that Arteta has improved the side in terms of their defensive organisation. And that was never really something that, or, or their shape out of possession as well, it was never really something they could rely on in the past. And it, it's, it will be key to this game, I think. I, I think people know how Tottenham can hurt them. And if if a point is good enough for you, then maybe you, you are sort of tempted to just sort of ward against that and, and, and man-mark Kane and do this, that and the other. So, yeah, a point is would be a fantastic result for Arsenal, especially with the injuries that they've got as well. If you look at the game against Leeds, if you'd said to an Arsenal fan at the start of the season that they'd be coming up to the end of the season, possible top four finish, and Cedric holding El Nenny and Ketier starting, that's crazy. Like mm. on paper, it's just not a great eleven at the moment. So I, I, I've said it multiple times on the show. I just think they, like Arteta's obviously done a, an amazing job. I think they're massively overachieving for the for the players that they're putting out on the pitch at the moment. So I would certainly say that. Tottenham really should be winning this game based on the based on the uh, personnel that the two teams have available. But yeah, where where Arteta has made so many strides in terms of that that organisation, uh, I, I think he will be certainly less 
less sort of front foot than maybe he would usually. Um, just because Tottenham are so good on the counter and they they can they can rip you to pieces if you leave space in behind. So yeah, I, what, when you said obviously you think this is going to be one of the games of the season, certainly one of the biggest games in in terms of what it means. But I think Arsenal may may have a role to play in that uh, and whether they sort of not shut up shop because they won't do that. It's a North London derby, but. I think if they if they can come away from this with a point, it's a it's it's done and dusted. Really, top four for them. I think mm. it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the, do you reckon this is the biggest North London derby ever in terms of what there is to play for? Because this is this is critical for, for top four. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I honestly couldn't tell you. <laughs> at be this sta- I don't remember there being one at this stage of the season so so no late. One, so much yeah. riding on it. Or no one when they both could play for the same thing. I mean, obviously, thing, you yeah. know, when Arsenal won the, the, the title at White Hart Lane yeah. in in the Invincible season, it was a big game because Arsenal um, Spurs could deny them to win mm-hmm. it at that time, kind of thing. But for them both to play for the same thing, there was obviously you know, end of the season where they were both fighting for top four, but not with a kind of a final like this. And this game should have been played weeks ago. But clearly, Sky, especially Sonny, the broadcasters, BT and Sky, were trying to to leave it as late as possible to have this top four final between the two rivals and etc. So, yes, you're right. It's probably certainly one of the biggest in a very long time outside of obviously a cup semi-final or things like that. I think yeah. the thing that the thing that dampens it is obviously that Arsenal are now four points clear. Yeah. So even if Tottenham do win, then they still need Arsenal to slip up, slip up. Yeah, that's so true. all the neutrals would have been hoping that that wasn't the case. Arsenal will obviously be delighted, but yeah, I still think if Tottenham win, then it's still Arsenal obviously very much in their hands still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was points in the season as well where this. Being even in the race at this stage probably didn't didn't look likely for either team. So again, they'd probably both actually snap your hands off for, for where they are at the moment. A massive thing. It's quite simple, but you know Spurs will be playing their best eleven, and Arsenal won't. That, mm-hmm. That's another advantage to Spurs, isn't it, Julian? Yeah, you're right. Apart from from Doherty, I guess a right wing oh, yeah. back. Because I mean, Emerson Royal had a had a knocky game against Liverpool, but my words, I mean, some of the things he does, I'm just like, <laughs> and we talk about Neil Tavares on the show. I think the last time I was there, because he's another one who clearly has a lot of physical abilities and I think incredible potential. But with the ball, sometimes you, you just wonder why he's thinking and 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 that could be sorted, I guess. It can improve. I think it will improve. But for Emerson, it's similar. So apart from that, but you, you, your point still stands. They, they've got 95% of their first team yeah, against yeah. 70 60%, no party, no TNE. I think White might come back for that game, uh, but you still, you still, you know, far behind, especially defensively and in midfield from what Arsenal could offer best. So it could have an impact. Yeah. Emerson Royale, I've been slating him all season. He's actually one of my favourite players to watch because I sit there with my mouth open for the entire game watching. <laughs> yeah, he makes Serge Aurier look quite, yeah. quite compact, quite, quite calm, yeah. Serge Aurier. I, I, I always think Emerson Royale is such a, such a funny, funny player to watch. Combined 11 time, then I'm looking for, looking forward to this one. Julian, I'll come to you first for yours. You've put, you've put yours together, not stats-based, yeah. I'm presuming. So let's have a look at yours first. So I've got uh, Lloris in goal, uh, purely because, you know, he's family, so he has to be there. Uh, I've got Tomiyasu at right back. Uh, I've got Ben White, considering he's, he's fit, fit-ish. Uh, Willow, will thank you. Yeah. With Romero next to him, who have been very, very impressed. I mean, not impressed because I know how good he was from, from last season in Serie A, but because I think a lot of people slagged him off earlier in the season when he was clearly under manager that was not good enough to start with. And then he was traveling a lot. He got COVID, he got injured, all of that. But now you see Romero and you see why he was one of the best, if not the best defender in Serie A last season. Ben Davis at left back because I think he's a better player than Cessignon, although he plays as a left centre-back now in the back three and not really as, as a left side, but I'm, I'm hoping you allow that. Um, I've got a midfield too of, I mean, if you talk about um, experience, but also, you know, being being a bit of a, having the vice and being a bit of a wheeler dealer, I think Oiberg and Chaka would probably be twin. They were twins at some point <laughs> and clearly got separated at birth. And, you know, one went north, the other one went... But I, I love them both, and I think they would be great in my midfield. And then, because I play 4-2-4, because I'm a bit crazy in French, I've got, obviously, a front four of Saka, Kuluzewski, Son and Kane, which is unbeatable, unstoppable, unplayable. No Emerson Royal. 
I thought hard about it. Then I thought you would not take me back on the show if I hadn't. <laughs> I didn't it, so no. He's not even on my bench, to be fair. He can play with the under-23s at the weekend. Yeah, fair enough. Fair play. Martin, how have who scored worked out there, 11? Absolute scenes, because it's uh, only one difference from really? Oh, my God! Yeah. I can work from <laughs> This may be a surprise, because obviously Ramsdale's had such a good rating for, for the whole season, but it is now your recent goal. Um, has been very good racing though. Yeah, yeah. Very good yeah. racing. Annoyed me the new greatly at Villa Park. Yeah. And they've trended in opposite directions, haven't they? Ramsdale's been obviously less impressive. He's still not been bad at all. And I still think he's had a, an excellent first season at Arsenal, but has dropped below the East in our ratings now. I actually think he might make a mistake in this game. I've got a fe- I've got a feeling for it Ramsdale for some reason. No, uh, Ramsdale, sorry, because he's, you know, in the North mm. London derby atmosphere with the obviously full of full of Spurs fans. I feel like he gets too involved sometimes. I've just got a feeling that he might make yeah. a mistake in this game. So click this up just in case I am correct. It does happen every <laughs> now and again. <laughs> so, yeah, the, our, our back four is the exact same. So we cheated as well, Julian. Don't worry. Ben Davies is our left back as well. <laughs> I would say that's so, not cheating because he's no, a left back. He's a left back, but he's not played there. I don't you've, actually, done wor- you've done worse things, man. I don't, yeah, I definitely. I don't, I don't actually think he's played there at all this season, though. So that is naughty from a who scored perspective. That is that is against the rules, really. But uh, end of the season, I'll do what I want. The, the one difference is probably relatively predictable, and I knew Jacko would be in uh, Julian's team from from the way he sort of waxed lyrical about him last time. But it's it's Jacko who's the difference. Uh, ben Tanker is uh, is the other holding midfielder in our side ahead of Jacko. So that we've got a front four as well, I guess. Of yeah, Saka, Kulisevsky, Son, and Kane. Uh, Kulisevsky and Erdegaard was the was the sort of yeah, toss up. Um, but I think Kulisevsky, the impact that he's had, he definitely deserves that spot. I did. I, I did think about him. Um, he lost the first the first three balls that he touched at Liverpool. Lost mm-hmm. them all. I think the intensity was too. Yeah, he, he, was, he was going too fast for him. I mean, he's he's a lovely player and he runs a lot and he gives you a lot. Uh, too too much sideways for my liking or backwards. Yeah, it happened in another game this season where he got taken off, and he was he, he was he was just definitely struggling yeah. with the pace of the game. It might have been Brighton or something, but yeah, the intensity of it maybe uh, he's just that take that will take time. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, in general, he's he's definitely improved them markedly. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, been an excellent signing, despite his first three touches at Anfield at the weekend. <laughs> As Martin mentioned, the bet builders aren't quite there yet in time for the podcast, but I would say. Put some money on Jacker to get booked. That would be that would be my prediction. Well, I think one. if you're looking at bookings, there's someone in the league that's even more nailed on the Jacker now, and that's Christian Romero. Yeah, Romero. Like, oh, he's yeah. like a rash. He can't he I can't could, get close see, enough to people. I could easily see him getting 20 yellow cards in a season if he played yeah. a whole season. He's a, he's great to watch for that reason as well. But some of his like even the one against Henderson against Liverpool, that's a yellow card. Like it's. Oh. He goes in hard. He's a proper throwback. Yeah, the one on Tuyunshu against Leicester as well, yeah. When, yeah. when he let fly. But he's so, I think he's very strong. I saw them again going back to the dressing room after the game, and he was very, very impressive physically. He's another ridiculous player, Romero, but for different ways than, than Emerson Royale. But he's just another ridiculous player, the way he gets <laughs> so tight to attackers. I've never seen anything like He pops up all over the place as well. Yeah, great, great defender, though. You can't argue with the way his intensity and the way he plays the game. Predictions then for the North London derby. I'm struggling with this one a bit. Julian, I'll come to you first while I think. 2-2 two, two. for me. I think there'd be goals, even if, if even if I think we both we all agree that it would be... Arsenal maybe doing the, a bit more of a defending or be more cautious maybe and Spurs having to go for it. Yeah, I think I thought about one one and I thought let's you know let's be let's have fun to two two. Okay, I'm going to go for two one to Spurs. I think Martin, uh, we've gone for one or one one. I think Arsenal will, will not play for a point, but that would be a great result for them. So. That will definitely come into it as the game develops. Before we go, that's all the games previewed. Now we've got a new game to talk about, Martin. A super game, you might say. <laughs> it's the Pick Six. <laughs> yeah, so Bet Victor have launched a new game called Pick Six, where you're essentially you're trying to predict six match outcomes uh, on the weekend or in the week in this in this instance. And there's a uh, one thousand pounds to be won for the winner, so it's free to play. So all you need is a Bet Victor account. Obviously, as such, you need to be eighteen and over to to enter. Uh, but there's handily there's six games in midweek, so basically there's different markets for each games. So I had hoped that our, our predictions would be more similar. Not sometimes that's a bit boring, but we because I'd hoped that we could try and 
combine on what we think will happen but all our predictions was pretty wildly different but let's let's try it anyway so the first game is Aston Villa Liverpool the the market is total goal so you've got four options zero to one goal two or three four to six or seven plus so we have to pick one of those options for that game I said two or three but that falls in with my prediction obviously I'm happy to we we got four in our prediction but I'm happy to go two or three if if that's what you guys. I'll let Julian decide. Yeah, two or th- yeah, that sounds good. Two or three goals, okay. Leeds Chelsea over or under two point five goals. Not Liverpool. Oh, I'll say over. This is this is good. Agreeing on nothing we so go. far. Yeah, <laughs> we we went over, so let's say over. We got over oh. for that one. Leicester Norwich, both teams to score, yes or no? No. We've gone yes. <laughs> I don't see Norwich scoring. I know. I know they have. You Let can say no, and then you put your hand in the pressure over to Dan. I said no. Did you say no? Okay. Yeah, yeah. but it's going to be Leicester that don't score. Oh, yeah, you did say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's say let's say no then. Let's say no because it doesn't matter who doesn't score. So Julian yeah. doesn't think Norwich will score. You don't think Leicester will score. Yeah. Uh, match result in Watford Everton. So home draw away. We all said Everton. I think. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. Everton. Wolves v Man City total goals again. So zero one two three four six or seven plus. Did we all say 1 0? I went 1 0. I did as well. I went 2 1, I think. Uh, City. Well, 0 to 1 then. 2 to 1 wins out. Okay. And then Tottenham Arsenal, home win or uh, home away or draw. Julian and I both said draw. So, yeah, go, there. go on then. Cool. So, Aston Villa Liverpool, 2 to 3 goals. Uh, un- was it under 2.5 goals yeah. in Leicester? Uh, Leeds Chelsea? Yeah, in the end, we didn't end that, yeah. Okay. Both teams to score no in Leicester Norwich. Uh, Everton to win. Zero to one goals in Wolves Man City and a draw in the North London derby. So essentially, there's points assigned to all of those predictions based on the odds. So you're trying to build a score and the most points wins, essentially. So if you get all six and you get the highest points, you can win a grand. Uh, If you get all six right and you don't have the highest points, you win a £20 free bet. Uh, So... It's only six things you've got to predict, and it's it's not like you have to predict a scoreline like you do in, in some super games. Uh, this one uh, considerably more easy to win. So, yeah, like I said, yeah, I like it. Over, but yeah, it's a free-to-play game. What was the, what, uh, the market's changed, so it's, it's it's good fun. You know what we've just done? We've come up with our six. What happens if we win? We're splitting the money. Uh, I'll be entering it, so you can enter it. You can do it yourself. But then oh, I thought you were. In, I thought we were entering as a team. I yeah, thought I thought we were. Friends, why, we would, yeah. why we would do it? We are give entering it to, as a team. We are. give it to charity. A hundred percent. We will give it to charity if we win. 100%. You, you put that through, Martin. Yeah, yeah. I'll do you that. Put that through. I'll cover lovely. that. Don't worry, guys. That'd be lovely for us. There we go. That does us lovely little game there from uh, Bet Victor. Yeah, I'll enjoy having a go at that myself as well. That does us for this week's edition of the Edge of the Box podcast. Please do subscribe. Let's get those subscriber numbers up as we're coming towards the end of the season because we'd like to get renewed. Let's face it, so subscriber <laughs> numbers would help. I'm not sure when we're next back, Martin. We, we never seem to know when, when we're going to be on. Do you, do you know? Well, we should, we should be on ahead of the weekend. We'll be Friday, though, because obviously it's Friday. top Arsenal on yeah. Thursday. So. Okay, we'll be back on Friday then, so watch out for that. Get your notifications on so you know when we are back. Enjoy all the midweek football. Thanks to Martin and thanks to Julian for joining us again today as well. Stay safe. Stay safe.